everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Boy, we had an incredible event the other night uh, at the community center. Such a great night, such a great night. We had just, I don't know, hundreds of, of families, kids come to the community center and hang out and, and spend a couple hours. And so I'm still wringing water out of my ears because I was in a dunk tank for two hours. Um, but uh, that was fun. I did. I had a great time. Great, great time taunting kids, uh, you know, just trash talking, you know, kind of thing. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And so we're, we're excited about, uh, God is just really blessing, um, you know, these, these events and our, our outreach endeavors. That's really what they're for. That's the why, why we do that. Just because we're trying to just make connections with families and, and, and new families in the community and people that maybe don't have a, a church connection somewhere. So that's, that's our ambition. Uh, we've been so, uh, you know, God has just, like I said, blessed us so much. As a matter of fact, uh, the owner of um, the greenhouse, um, uh, our, our neighbor um, called me, and he wants to do an event with us. He wants to he wants to con- do a combined trunk or treat uh, with us. So, I don't know. Here's what I know: he might need Jesus. That's all I know. That's all I know. But how cool! Yeah, how cool is that though? But anyways, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, he needs us more than we need him. I think that's for sure. He needs us more than we need him. He needs Jesus is what he needs. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to assume anything. But anyway, so um, boy, I'm I, in, in just transition from that. I'm, I can sometimes be bad at interpreting circumstances or situations. Does anybody else have that. You can sometimes just be bad at, at interpreting uh, situations. Uh, well, oftentimes, I don't know, I, mis, I misinterpret maybe a text message. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just got a text message from somebody. You're like, you thought it meant something else and they meant it for another thing, another purpose, another reason, another tone to it. Or maybe it's an email that you got, or maybe it was a social media post. Not, not, not that anybody misinterprets anything that's posted on social media at all, right? And so I don't know you, but I, I'm sometimes bad, bad at interpreting uh, things, circumstances, situations, things that people say. Um, I too, I don't know, maybe this is just, I'm alone on this, but sometimes I misunderstand uh, what my wife says. Is anybody? I know, I know, I do. I, I don't understand her. I mean, I, uh, sometimes I misunderstand maybe something that she says or, or something maybe even with my kids. I don't, I misunderstand, you know, where they're coming from, what their, their approach is. And we, we do that, right? We, we have that. We misunderstand our, our spouse. We misunderstand our kids. We, uh, we misunderstand our, our, our coworkers, our boss. We can go on and on and on how sometimes, maybe more often than we want to admit that we either misinterpret something or we, we just don't simply understand, you know, why something happens the way that it happens. This is also true about our relationship with God. This is also true about God, that sometimes God does something or God allows something and we don't understand why he did it or why he allowed it. And so I, I remember once um, 
I was uh, just going, going back to how I oftentimes misinterpret situations. Um, I was, we were at a, um, early on in our marriage, we were at a auction, a fundraiser auction uh, for my wife, who was a school teacher, her school. We were at an auction raising money. And, um, and so one of the items that was up for auction was a, a, some, a time with Mrs. Doak, my wife, a time with Mrs. Doak for tutoring. And so that item came up and, and they, I don't know where, remember where they exactly where they started from, but I thought I'm going to be like the sweetheart and I am going to bid for my wife. And I, and, and, and I was thinking everybody is going to think that I'm like the, the sweetest husband in the world. Well, so we started the bid and the, wherever it started, I, I raised my thing, you know, and, and, you know, I said that I'll, I'll do that. And I was like, oh, and then, and then parents also started bidding. And then this parent over here, and then I would say, I got, you know, 100. And then this, another parent would go 150. And, and again, this is for tutoring for, from Mrs. Doak for, you know, a certain time frame. And so at this point, at, at some point or another, competitive Chris came out <laughs> and I refused to lose. I refuse to lose competitive. And, and so I'm like bidding and it's now in the, I forgot to ask my wife what it ended up being, but it was like now in the hundreds of dollars, right? And this is early on our marriage and we're super poor. You know, we don't have the money. Well, after a while, the bidding got so high that no, no parents were like, I'm not spending $300 for an hour with Mrs. Doak. I mean, she's a great teacher and all, but I'm not gonna do this. And so even my parents are going, what are you doing? Now I'm a jerk, right? Now I'm like, like, now I'm taking time away from kids to learn something as they're struggling in school. So, because I'm thinking that I'm sweet, because I'm thinking that I'm going to like, I'm going to win points with my wife. And so my wife at this point is now crying. She's now in tears and everybody's going, oh, she's thinking he, you know, she, they're thinking, oh, he's, she's just so happy. Like he spent hundreds of dollars to show his wife that he loves him. Well, in reality, my wife is in tears because she knows we don't have the money. <laughs> we don't have the money. My first clue should have been as she's kicking me under the table. Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. She's writing the check. As she's writing the check, there's tears coming down. And I'm like, well, it's at least for a good cause. Like, right? Like, it's at least for a good cause. So oftentimes, I don't know, but you, but we oftentimes, people, me, myself, you included, we misinterpret, we misunderstand. And it's certainly, certainly, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and why God allows certain things to happen. Well, we're going to uh, conclude this, this sermon series on Ezekiel. And I want to just remind you of what Ezekiel's name means. Ezekiel's name, um, if you can go back to the first slide. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. God strengthens. And boy, oh boy, did that need to be true about Ezekiel. Ezekiel went through some very, very tough, tough, challenging things in, in, in his ministry. I mean, he went from a priest to a prophet and the things that God asked him to do were, were absolutely so extremely challenging. I mean, at one point, God asked Ezekiel to lay on his right side. Can you think about this for a second? To lay on his right side for 390 days. 
on one side, 300, and like I complain about my, you know, mattress. You know, like I complain when I wake up, I'm like, oh, we need a new mattress. You know, like, like, and he had to, you know, to show a message. These were, these were sign sermons. These were sermons that he would preach, but they would be, you know, tangible and practical and, and object lessons. And so he, he did that. And then, and then when that was done, he had to lay on his left side for a measly 40 days, right? He had to lay on his left side for a measly 40 days. Another thing that he had to cook food, he had to cook food. God asked him to cook food, um, not with like logs or anything like that where you, you would maybe normally cook food. He had to cook food over human dung, you set human dung on fire. I know, you should read the Bible. It's interesting. It's interesting. And he had to cook food over human dung. Once the, they, the human dung was done, they just, he, they, God allowed him to use cow dung as if that's any better, right? As if that's any better. Uh, Ezekiel had to pick up all his belongings. Imagine this. Imagine having to pick up all of your household stuff and, and act as if he was moving out or moving away. And he had to do that uh, for, for a couple nights where he just picked up all his belongings and moved as if he was moving out. But that was nothing. Now, nothing. I mean, 390 days laying on your right side, 40 days laying on your left side, cooking food over human dung and cow dung and, and picking up all your belongings as if you're moving out of your home, you know, for, for just a short period of time and then having to set it all back up again. I mean, that was nothing compared to what would happen and what God asked of him and what God would do in and through Ezekiel. Here's where we're gonna pick it up. It's in Ezekiel 24. He says, son of man, behold, I'm about to take from you what is precious to your eyes with a fatal blow. But you shall not mourn and you shall not weep and your tears shall not come. Verse 17. You can groan silently, but you are not to mourn for the dead. You are not to bind on your turban and put on your sandals on your feet and do not cover your mustache and do not eat the bread of other people. Verse 18. So I spoke to the people in the morning and in the evening my wife died. I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine. And today we're gonna to talk about something that is not easy to talk about. And it's the nature of pain in our life. If last week was a Christianity 301 lesson of IQ, this week is a Christianity 301 lesson on our EQ, our emotional capacity. And God allowed the death of Ezekiel's wife. Can you imagine? How, how would you respond? What would you do? How would you act? Would you do that what sometimes we do when God allows certain things to happen in our life and, and we complain, we push back, 
We turn away, we walk away. We say, God, if this is how you treat your people, then I don't want anything to do with it. God, if this is what you've allowed to have happen, then, then I'm, I'm not gonna have any part in this thing called Christianity and I'm not gonna follow your son, Jesus. But look how Ezekiel responded. And in the morning, I did as I was commanded. And in the morning, I did as I was commanded. I didn't, I, I didn't mourn because God told me not to. I didn't have a funeral because God told me not to. I didn't allow for meals to come to my house because God told me not to. I didn't, I didn't respond in a way that normally people respond when they lose someone that is precious in their eyes. God told me that I'm not to respond in that way and I did as I was commanded. You see, life is unfair. Can we all agree? Life isn't fair. And God allows certain things that we shake our head and go, why? 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 Solomon, outside of Jesus, one of the wisest people that ever walked this earth, here's what he says about this life. He says, for what does a person get in all his labor and in his striving with which he labors under the sun? And then here's what he says. Because all his days, of his days, his activity is painful and irritating. Can anybody relate? Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is futility. So the question that I ask myself sometimes, and maybe it's the question that you ask yourself, or maybe you don't have, you didn't know how to put words to it, but it's the question is, is my pain in vain? Is my pain in vain? And here's what we know about Ezekiel's pain, because he had it. He can only, uh, he can only groan in private. He can only grieve in private. He couldn't show that because, why? Because God used that circumstance. God used his pain with a purpose. And here's, here's the good news, if there is good news, here's the silver lining when it comes to your pain and, and my pain, that within Christianity and in only in Christianity, we see that there is always, always, always a purpose for our pain. There's always, and for Ezekiel, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether it's something that you would, you would allow to you know, continue to do and follow Jesus in your, in your life or not, listen, he, it, it was a purpose behind it. There was a purpose for his pain. And pain with a purpose is conceivable. Pain with a purpose is, is doable, 
It's doable. If you and I know as we go through this life and we go through irritations and struggles and battles and loss and grief and worry and anxiety and all the things that life throws at us this way, if we know, if we know that there is a purpose behind it, if we can know that there's a, there's a reason why, why God allows it, even though we may not know it on this side, but we will certainly know it on the other side, then it is always conceivable. It's doable. It's doable. And you can endure it. Paul says it this way, and we looked at this verse last week, as a matter of fact. He says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And so what is he saying? He's like, the life that we live in now is like a woman in the pregnancy and getting ready to deliver a baby. Again, my wife, four different times, here's what she knew. She knew that the pain would be over soon. She knew that the pain that she felt, that once those babies would be delivered, that that pain would turn into joy. That at, but right now, he's describing this life, our life right now, in the world that we live in, that there's a lot of painful, irritating things that happen to us. And we go through the sufferings and we go through the groans of this world, this broken world that we live in. Why? Because we're, according to Paul's analogy, we are in the pregnancy stage. And one day we will give birth. We will give birth. And he goes on to say this. He says, and not only that, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons and daughters, the redemption of our body. And then a couple verses later, look what he says. And you know this verse. This is on your coffee mug, okay? <laughs> and we know that God causes all things. Wait. All things? Yeah, all things to work together for what? Good. To those who love God. Now, here's the, here's the stipulation. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. What, what's for, for those who what? For those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. That's how, you, that's how you'll know that God, even in the, in the pain, in the hardships, in the challenges, in the difficulties, that God can still cause all things to work together for good. But it's to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. For Ezekiel, he knew that there was a greater purpose in mind, even though he didn't he, he couldn't have liked it. It was the, he, she was precious in his sight. She was precious in his eyes. She was desired in his eyes. It was the love of his life. But he knew that the pain is, is conceivable. The pain with a purpose is conceivable. It's, it ha, it's doable. And he was somebody that knew that all things can work together for good to those who love God. And Ezekiel certainly did. And Ezekiel was called according to his purpose. Ezekiel had a calling on his life and it was for the purposes of saying, it is not my will be done, it is your will be done, God. 
It's not what I think is best, God. It's what you think is best, even when that brings me pain. Now, the good news is Jesus said, listen, even in your pain, I've got peace for you. Isn't that good for us? Even in your pain that I've got peace for you. John 16, says this, these things I've spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you can have tribulations, but take courage for I've overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, listen, I know, I get it. In this world, hardships, Pain, struggles, worries, anxieties, loss. All these things that we deal with in this world, these tribulations that we we go through. But Jesus is going like, even in the world that you live in of tribulation, you can still have my peace. And you can know and you can take courage in the fact that I have overcome this world. That one day that we are going to give birth and we're going to explode out of this terrible world that we live in and we're going to experience everlasting joy. That's what he's saying. He's like, I know right now, tough. Right now, difficult. But there's a purpose. There's a purpose. Take courage because I've overcome this world. So what is the purpose? What is the purpose of your pain? What are the purposes of your pain? There's a few. And I'm a preacher and you know I've got three. Okay. Number one, pain is a revealer of faith. Pain is a revealer of faith. Here's what I know, and here's what you know. When things are tough, where are you going to go? Where are you going to turn? When things get hard in our life, do we quit? Ezekiel didn't quit. You would think, man, Ezekiel, God comes to him and says, listen, man, I'm your wife in a fatal blow is going to die. And Ezekiel didn't argue. He didn't debate. He didn't say, I'll do anything else. I'll I'll serve you just anything else, anything else, but not this, not this. No, Ezekiel said, if this is your will, if this is your purpose, if this is what you want, okay, I'll submit to that and I'll surrender that. He didn't like it. Of course not. Of course not. But our pain is a revealer of our faith. It's a revealer of our faith. This is oftentimes how pain works, right? Our pain works, it reveals something that something's wrong, right? When you experience any kind of pain in your life, it's, it reveals that there's something deeper. There's something worse happening in, in our life. You see, pain... Pain is your body pleading for power to be perfected. Pain is your body pleading for something, something more, something better. The reason why we experience pain in this life is, for, is a signal, it's a warning, and it tells you that there's a deeper problem going on in our life, and that issue is called sin. It's called sin. It's the broken world that we live in. It's the, it's the world of creation, of groans that we experience in our life. And it's that pain that we feel that tells us that there's, there's something more. 
There's something better. There's something more. There's something deeper. My, my son, uh, Nathan, he um, was born uh, with a platelet deficiency. He just didn't produce enough platelets. And, the, and it took a, a number of m- weeks and months. I, just let me go with, go with this, okay? It, it's a lot more complicated than that, but the sum of it, my wife's going, no, it's ish. Okay, I'll let her explain the whole story. So he had to get, um, uh, he had to get his, his platelet levels tested uh, on a regular basis. On a regular basis, he had to get his platelet levels tested. And so he would take them in as a, as a baby, and they, he would, they would poke his heel. They would take a, a, a little needle, and they would begin to poke his heel. And it was just, it, it was, was kind of funny in a sense that um, it was like you would hear the click, it was one of those click needles or whatever that pokes in his heel. And you'd hear the click and then like not even a second later, ah, you know, like it took a while for the, for the, where, you know, the go up to the brain, you know, the brain to tell him that, ah, oh, this hurts, this hurts, right? This hurts. So, you know, it's just like it have every time. And so after a while, after a while, it was, it was, they would even just, they would, before they would, you know, poke the heel, they would put on this heating pad, you know, to get the blood moving and blood in, into the area so to just get enough was what they needed. And so they would put, and so as soon as they would pre, before they even poked it, they would put this heating thing on. And as soon as they put this heating thing on, then he would just start crying. Why? Because he knew the pain was coming. He knew the pain was coming. But it was so much deeper than a little poke in his heel. Do you understand? There's so much more wrong with him than the poke in his heel. But he, all he's thinking is, I just, my heel hurts. My heel hurts. Why are, you, why are you letting this guy in a white coat grab my heel and put, put a needle in it, you know? Like, but there's, there was so much more happening. And pain is your body pleading for power to be perfected. Here's the way that the Apostle Paul put it. 2 Corinthians 12. Concerning this, so Paul's just to kind of fill you in, Paul was um, just saying how he was having some health issues. He was dealing with something. We're not even exactly sure what, what, what it was that he was dealing with. And we think that maybe it was something with his, with his eyes. Uh, but he was just saying how, you know, you know, he just really feels like spiritually attacked. And so he's saying, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And so Paul's going, God, like, not, not just like on one sitting, you know, where he prays, Lord, take this away, take this away, take this away. It was probably three different desperate moments. Have you ever been there? Where you just, you can't handle it anymore. You can't deal with it anymore. And so it was probably just on the third plea. He's like, I asked of God three times that he might, it might leave me. But then God's response is this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And that idea of grace is, is the idea that is, it's, it's not just the, the free gift, uh, uh, unmerited favor of God through our salvation. But this idea of grace is that every day, every day that there's a prescription, that there's a prescription that God wants to give to you and me. And that is to help you endure whatever painful situation you're going through. That this grace is what he's describing as 
Every single day, I'm going to give you what you need to endure. I'm going to give you what you need in order for you to know that. And he goes on to say this. For power is perfected in weaknesses. God is saying, listen, you know what I want to do? I want to use, I want to use the platform of your pain. I want to use the platform of your weaknesses for my glory. I don't want anybody to get any of the credit or any of the glory for what you accomplished. So sometimes God uses our pain. And our pain is a revealer of our faith. Why? Because you can choose. You can choose to turn your back on God, or you can choose to walk with Jesus through it. And he's going, listen, if you choose that, if you choose that, you need, you need to know that my grace is enough for you. That's the prescription that Jesus had for Paul. And my power will be perfected in your pain. My power will be perfected in your pain. And so, you know what Paul did? He says, most gladly, therefore. If that's true, if his power is perfected in my pain, he says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can dwell in me. So that every single day of my life, I experience the power of Jesus in my life as I'm walking in this life with pain and struggle. And he goes on to say this, therefore, I delight in weaknesses. Anybody there? No, we have a long ways to go. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties, in behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So you and I can have a choice. You can allow your pain to reveal, and it will, it will. And your pain and your struggles and your difficulties will reveal where your faith is. It will. And you can choose to say, nope, if this is how God treats people, no thanks. Or you can choose to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Your pain, your battles, your struggles, it reveals your faith. Second thing, pain is retrained in faith. Pain is retrained in faith. Let me show you what I mean by that. And Paul alluded to it. So Paul, back, into, back in the verse, he says, listen, I'm, instead of looking at my difficulties and looking at my weaknesses and, and, and being in despair about those things, he says, I'm now gonna retrain my thoughts. I'm now going to retrain my thinking. And instead of me, you know, complaining and pleading with God and arguing with God to take this away, I am now going to retrain my brain to be glad 
and to boast in my infirmities, to boast in my pain, to boast in my weaknesses. Why? Because I know that when I retrain my brain and I boast in my pain, then, that, then the power of Christ is gonna, be, is gonna rest on me. So our pain can be retrained in faith. Here's the way that James wrote it, okay? James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Time out, time out, time out. James is the half-brother of Jesus. There was no indication that during Jesus' time on earth and his earthly ministry, that James saw his own brother as the Christ. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of that. So James saw his brother as his brother, but then after he saw his brother die, be buried, and then rise again, you know what he now he calls him? His, he's a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, James, the half-brother of Jesus, whom I shared a bunk with. How cool am I? No, he's like, James, a bronze servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. I love that. Hi. Like, hey. Which is 12 tribes is a whole other thing because many rejected Jesus, but now those who saw Jesus resurrect have now turned. So what are they doing? Their, their pain, their pain. So James had to have felt the grief and the anxiety and the pain of the way that he viewed Jesus, but now he's retrained his brain to say, he's a bondservant of God. He's a bondservant of God. He's my, not just my brother, he's my Lord. He's my Lord. Verse two, this is where you want to slap James. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter Various trials. Wait, what? I, I don't consider joy at all when I go through various trials. I consider complaining. I consider getting angry. I consider pouting. I consider turning my back. I, I've considered retiring. I've considered <laughs> quitting I've considered a lot of different things, but J James would say, and he wouldn't, here's what you need to understand. James isn't saying don't grieve, don't feel hurt, don't be disappointed, don't feel lost. He's not saying that. What he's saying is what I want you to do is I want you to take your pain and I want you to retrain and I want you to start considering joy also. I want you to start considering joy also. So not sulking, not complaining, not getting angry and not wanting to quit, but instead consider joy even in your pain. And what is that doing? That is retraining your brain as you're going through various trials. Jesus, um, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews says it this way about Jesus. 
looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What he's, he's saying, he's saying that Jesus, instead of looking at his circumstance and his situation uh, before he went to the cross, he decided to retrain his mindset and to say, who for the joy set before him. His mindset was a joy before him. He was able to endure the cross. So he considered it all joy, Jesus did. And our minds work in this way. As a matter of fact, Hebb's law, Hebb's law says this. Hebb's law states, neurons that fire together, wire together. Neurons that fire together, wire together. In other words, when you start to have thoughts Things like rejoicing and joy and praise and goodness and, and, and the silver linings of, of a bad situation. You know what Hebb's Law says? And this is how the brain works. Neurons that fire together, they eventually wire together and they become strong. They become strong and then eventually becomes easier. So what happens is this. When you take your pain, when you take your anxiety, when you take your worry, when you take your struggle and you start to consider other positive things about that. Thinking about things that are good and lovely and pure as the scripture teaches us. What will happen is, is that those neurons that will begin to fire from your brain will also begin to wire together and create a pathway that is strong and eventually easier to do. This is how it works with strength training. You start out with a little weight and then over time, over time, over time, what happens? You're able to lift more than you've ever able to do. This is how it works. This is how it works. So in other words, something, something done deliberately over time will eventually be defined. Something done deliberately over time will eventually be defined. If you keep practicing, if you keep applying something, you know what happened? It will retrain your mindset. And James is saying that. James is going, listen, when you go through various trials, you can retrain your thinking and you can also start to consider joy in it. Verse three, here's what James would say. Here's why that's important. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of your faith will produce perseverance. That when you get knocked down, you're going to be able to get back up. And when you fail or you struggle, you're going to be able to get back up. When, you, when things don't go the way you want them to go, you're, you're going to be able to get back up. You're going to be able to keep going, keep running, keep running, keep running. Even when things get hard, things get painful, you're going to be able to keep enduring. That's what the testing of your faith will produce in us. Then he says this, verse 4, And let endurance... Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Isn't that what we want? Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing? James would say it's when you start to retrain and think about your pain and consider joy. 
Because over time, the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith will begin to produce endurance and then endurance will have its perfect result. And then at the end of that result will be perfect and complete and you'll be lacking, you'll feel like you're lacking in nothing. You see, your pain, your pain has the potential to produce your perfect place. What does that mean? That means that God can use your pain. If we start to consider the ways that God can use our pain in, in different ways, that our pain has the potential, but it's up to you. It's up to us to decide. Am I going to consider grief? Am I going to consider worry? Am I going to consider anger? Am I going to consider quitting? Or am I going to consider joy? And when we do that, we retrain our brains and our pain has the potential to produce your perfect place. Complete, mature, lacking in nothing. Let me give you an example of this. Joseph, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. You remember this story in the Old Testament? Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, turned and sold into slavery after they decided that instead of killing him, that they were gonna make a few bucks out of him. And for the prime years of Joseph's life, he went through terrible, terrible. He eventually gets sold. And then this person that he was sold into slavery, his wife made a move on him and he didn't want to dishonor God or dishonor the man that he worked for. So he fled. And then his wife said that he tried to make a move and then he got thrown into prison and he was in prison and he was in prison and he was forgotten about. He was forgotten about. Eventually he got out of prison and he landed a, a job being second in charge of all of Egypt. And he was able to be in a position, in a place where he saved many lives. And in, a, in an encounter that he had at the end of the book of Genesis, he ran into his very brothers who years earlier sold him into slavery. They thought he was dead. And at least they made their father believe that he was dead. And in Genesis 50, but Joseph said to them, his brothers, do not be afraid because they had every reason to be. <laughs> For am I in God's place? What a perspective, right? What a rethink, what a retrain of his thoughts. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't resentful. He wasn't angry. He said, you know what? I know that those things happened to me. Those terrible things happened to me for a purpose. There was a purpose. And in spite of those situations and circumstances, I am in God's place. And he goes on to say this, and this is the Romans 8, 28 of the Old Testament. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. It is possible that God will use your pain to put you in a position that you'll know I'm here 
and this wouldn't have been the path that I would have taken if it was up to me. But because I surrendered my life and my pain to God, he put me in this position. And what was meant for evil, God can use it for good in order for you and for me to bring about an opportunity for people to experience Jesus. Your pain, your pain will reveal your faith. Your pain can be retrained in your faith, but you gotta think of it in that way. You gotta think about it in that way. Let me give you one final one. Pain is a refiner of faith. Pain is a refiner of faith. Peter says it this way. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, which I just wanna pause and hit that word, if not, that phrase, if necessary. What that means is that sometimes God will say, it's necessary, it's necessary for you to go through a little, little pain. Why? You have been distressed by various trials. Verse seven. So that the proof of your faith, there it is, being more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That your pain, your pain is like refining you. It's refining you. It's like, you know, you've been in church, you've heard these illustrations. It's like, it's the gold, right? And it's the gold that's placed in a refiner's fire and the impurities of that gold, the dross of that gold raised to the surface and that is, is skimmed away off the gold. And then eventually what happens is once that's all the impurities are removed from that gold, it's pure gold. It's a purest form. And this is what our pain does. It brings about an opportunity for the things in our life to come to the surface so that those things can be removed and we can be the purest form of ourselves, the way that God wants us to be. Your pain, my pain, is a refiner. It's a refiner. And one day because he's overcome this world, your pain will be no more. But until then, it's a revealer of your faith. It can be retrained and it could put you in a place that God, only God could put you. And it's a refiner. It's a refiner of our faith. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. I see another image in there. Looks like the Son of God. 
You know what happens when you are put into the fiery furnace? People might just see another image in there. It looks like Jesus. That's what your pain wants to do and can do if you let it. Let it refine you. Back in the 80s, I found this, and I just want to read this to you as we close. Um, John Piper wrote an article that he called it Ezekiel's wife. And it goes like this. Ezekiel sat stunned and cold. The word that he had just been told converted every large complaint he ever made into a faint concern. No pain would be absurd, he thought, if this one word of God would be withdrawn tonight. I would engage in any fight for your great name and be a fool for you, bear any ridicule in Babylon. If you would spare me this, I'll serve you anywhere. Again, the voice of God was clear. I know that she is far more dear to you than life. And yet tonight I strike and I take your heart's delight. Your wife at sundown, she will die. And hear my word, you shall not cry. No tears run down, nor sigh aloud. No sack, no ash, nor mo no mourner's shroud. You are a sign for Israel. Soon messengers will come and tell them that Jerusalem is burned and everything for which they yearned is gone, the apple of their eye, nor shall they, they be allowed to cry, but only groan beneath the rod and know that I, the Lord, am God. Beyond the river Kibar rose the yellow sun. The cock crows, Ezekiel makes his silent way towards home and ponders what to say to his dear wife and if he can. A prophet's not an easy man to live with, Zeke, she used to say, and then she'd smile. But anyway, much ease can, be ma can make a woman weak. Nobody else would call him Zeke, he thought. Perhaps the pain of all those years were not just bitter gall. Perhaps she's been prepared to hear this final word and not to fear. He ate his figs and barley cake in silence. Sweetheart, he says, can you take a walk with me? This morning's word has been the hardest that I've heard. They walked in silence for an hour, and then he gathered all his power and said, the God of Abraham, the God who calls himself I am, demands that you must die tonight. But her eyes remained as bright as, as ever in her life. She says, I know. She said, last night he came to show me in a dream. And then she took Ezekiel's hand and said, the book, remember where we used to read how God would someday come and lead us in the path of endless joy and how at last he would destroy our blinding sin and let us see his face in all of its majesty. Oh, dearest Zeke, Last night I saw another world without a flaw beyond what we could ever know and I could scarcely wait to go. Oh, not that I could ever love you less, but I have seen above that everything you've preached is true. 
Weep not, great seer, for me nor you. I am proof of all you've said. She said, tomorrow I will not be dead, nor you. And it will not be long till you have joined the endless song. Press on, Ezekiel, rejoice. Press on, Ezekiel, rejoice. Church, press on, rejoice. Press on, rejoice. Keep going, church. Don't stop, church. Don't quit, church. Come on, I know your pain is hard. Your struggle is real. I get it, but come on, press on. Don't quit, endure with heart and soul and mighty voice. Make music to the coming king. Come walk with me and we will sing. Lord, ah, the pain, the struggle, the battles, we just simply trust that there's a purpose. And we know through your word that they are meant to refine us, to make us in the image of your son, to remove the impurities in this life so that we can be as pure as gold, that we can be retrained in thinking about how they work in our lives. We can think about them in another way and consider, consider joy And they reveal our faith. They reveal where we're really at. They're the, it's the proof of our faith. So Father, I just pray that we use our pain and you use our pain in a way that brings people closer to you if that's your will. If that's your will. And we surrender to it. We look forward to the day that we step into eternity. And in that place, there is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. There is no more grief. And in that, we have peace. We have peace that you give us and grace to endure every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.